Hubhopper Originals. To start your podcast for free, log on to studio.hubhopper.com. We are a born free and equal free to walk and free to talk. Don't discriminate, learn to appreciate, so you don't have to imitate. Don't be the one to hate. It's never too late. You got the right to life. Innocent to prove it guilty, you can say what you like. Gotta get the education. Don't throw it away. Know your human rights, cause it can help you someday. Welcome to the Born Free and Equal podcast with United for Human Rights, Hop Hopper, and Raindrop Media as Media Director. I'm your host, Fraser Scott, International Ambassador of United for Human Rights, watching a world eagerly awaiting a vaccination to end the pandemic, but hoping we never become immune to the needs of those who need our help. And today, I'm joined by someone constantly answering that need. Z and Stardust nominated and Filmfare Award winning writer, producer, director, actress and humanitarian Tiska Chopra. <laughs> Welcome to Scar. Thank, Thank you, Fraser. That was such an awesome introduction. I'm almost impressed with myself now. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. You should be. I'd also like to welcome the South Asia Ambassador for United for Human Rights, an actress who was given the Hero Award at the United Nations in New York last year for her work spreading awareness of basic rights and equality to 70 million people in one month, Sheena Chohan. Thank you, Fraser. This guy, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show because as well as being a total boss as an artist, I've always admired the work you do for humanity, particularly your constant fighting for equal gender rights. You've been vocal on issues such as inequality of pay, menstrual hygiene and women's economic and social empowerment. And you've lent your name and voice and time to help educate women, provide medical treatment to underprivileged children and many more important activities. So welcome, Tiska. We are so happy and excited to have you. Entirely my own. Every little drop that we manage to contribute to the cause of human rights is just a little drop in a big ocean of work that needs to be done. Yes, absolutely. All right. So let's quickly take a look at your chosen subject of discussion today, which is the right to life. Now, the right to life in the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights states, everyone has a right to life, liberty and security of person. Now, the legal definition of security of person is the enjoyment by a person of their life, body, health and reputation. It means you cannot be imprisoned unlawfully, tortured or cruelly punished. The right to life in the Indian constitution says no person shall be deprived of his life or personal liberty except according to a procedure established by law. And lastly, according to the Supreme Court, the word life means not only physical existence, but also quality of life. And the personal liberty not only means freedom from arrest, detention and false or wrongful imprisonment, but also rights essential to achieve happiness. And lastly, procedure established by law means anytime your life or personal liberty is reduced or removed, it must be just, fair and reasonable. It must comply with the principles of natural justice. 
you, Sheena. Such important information. So, Tiska, why did you choose this right? I think essentially the right to life is the basis for all other rights. Because if you do not have the right to life, then what other meaning is there to any other right? And in the context of India, and particularly the area that I would like to talk about is rights of women. That is an area which distresses me enormously. The right to a dignified life, supreme amongst those, of course, being the right to live freely. That, that is why I think uh, this right was crucial for me to choose. Yes, totally. What you're saying is that you've got to live with dignity and particularly the way that women are treated all, all around the world, but, but in your experience in India, very, very much comes under this mm-hmm. right. Dignity is the basis of it, liberty, dignity. And as you said at the beginning, if you aren't alive, there's no use in any of the other rights. Right. And also the Supreme Court described the right to life as the heart of fundamental rights. You know, we have 30 rights by the United Nations Universal Declaration, but the right you've chosen is actually the heart of fundamental rights. And it applies universally to all citizens, not considering race, birthplace, religion, caste, sexual orientation, gender or gender identity. Tiska, I watched the brilliant film you directed and starred in, Rubaru, which is so relevant to this right, because we saw that its antagonists don't give your character dignity or privacy, they harass her, they attack her reputation and livelihood and it almost results in the loss of her life because we saw there that each one of those things they attack are one part of her life. I just want to quickly go through the other rights that come under this right, which is the right to live with human dignity, sexual harassment in the workplace, right against rape, right to reputation, right to livelihood, right to shelter, right to social security and protection of family, right against honor killing, to health, to medical care, to get pollution-free water and air, to clean environment, against noise pollution, to know your rights and be informed, right to privacy, right to go abroad, right against illegal detention, and the right to appeal, and the right to choose a partner, right to speedy and fair trial, and the right against violence when in jail, and the right to internet access. Oh my God, that's a lot of rights under this one, right to life. So many rights fall under this right. Yeah, big solid one. Yeah, you pick the biggest, most solid one. Yeah, the most fundamental one of all the rights. So I think the, the essential thing, human beings can live without food or even water for short periods of time. But I think what kills you eventually is the inability to live uh, with dignity. I think all of Everything else kind of becomes meaningless. And in in India, particularly all over the world, of course, but in India specifically, the rights of women are so badly trampled upon. Female feticide, 117 million cases in 2018 even, despite strict laws. So, uh, you know, and just to share with you, uh, a college friend who I've kept in touch with, very affluent family, really well-to-do, educated, has an international education, has a degree in law. And she got married into this other very uh, posh family. And they insisted uh, that she find out the gender of her child and sort of coerced her into going into uh, an abortion clinic and having her child aborted because it was a girl. And uh, she was harassed mentally. She was uh, you know, isolated in the family. But eventually, uh, she put her foot down and she left her home. And now she's a single mom of a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful daughter. But I'm saying that it isn't just amongst the unlettered. You know, one, one could say that education is, uh, is a thing which could, could prevent uh, something like this from happening. But clearly, it isn't 
So this ill has to be fought in other ways. And I'd really like to discuss the ways in which we can talk about how deep is this malaise. Through art and film, you're educating, but in a different way. You're not going to school and learning, well, okay, these are the rights, but art does have a a bigger power to creep up on you and educate you in a way that you accept it as your own instead of having it forced down your neck. So what you said, Tiska, about women, you've hit the nail on the fact that the girl child sometimes even before birth is killed. And it's a sad state of affairs that that right of right to life or the right to be born with dignity because it's a girl child is taken away from you. Considering the various parts of the right to life, what are the main issues facing the country today as well as female infanticide? I think we police brutality is one, justifiable homicide, animal rights, hugely, hugely trampled upon in the country, capital punishment. These are all areas which take away the right to not just life, because it's not as simple as we, as Sheena read out to us, it's life with dignity. It's not just that you exist, but it's it's the quality of that existence. So it's not just an objective thing, it's a subjective thing as well, that, that how do you experience your, your time on this planet? So I think those are all all areas that we can talk about. Euthanasia is another one. So important to to sort of talk about that. I've never been one for capital punishment because I feel that even in the dregs of humanity, someone in the worst and lowest of uh, states of life still has the chance to learn and improve and mend their ways. So I, I would believe in correctional facilities where dignity of life and the circumstances of that person becoming the way they do understood and psychiatric treatment is provided. And of course, if they're a danger to society or other life, then they should be kept behind bars. But I do believe that capital punishment is quite uncalled for. Well, totally. And as well as the reasons that you gave, there's also the fact of the number of people who get found out that they were innocent later. Mm. One thing that I've studied in criminology is that when a person discovers the first time that they lost their self-respect, that that's the point when they get into criminal acts. And if you can rehabilitate their self-respect, you rehabilitate them as a person and then they stop behaving like that. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we completely agree. Yep. So basically, as long as everyone's rights are equally respected, so every human can live in dignity. Tiska knows about dignity. She's helped lead the 65-day Dignity March to end stigma faced by victims of sexual assault at the start of this year, Fraser. Also, she had to outwit a nasty director to avoid the casting couch and maintain her dignity at the start of her career. So on the subject of human dignity, which comes under the right to life, the Supreme Court said that the right to life actually includes the right to live with human dignity. And all that goes along with it, in other words, the bare necessities of life, such as adequate nutrition, clothing, shelter and facilities for reading, writing and expressing oneself in diverse forms, freely moving about and interacting with fellow human beings, free from exploitation. It must include protection of the health and strength of the workers, men and women and children, opportunities and facilities for children to develop a healthy manner, educational facilities just and humane conditions of work and maternity relief. It would even include the right to protection of a person's tradition, culture, heritage, and all that gives meaning to someone's life. Isn't it amazing? It covers so much, and it really puts together what you need as a a human. So, Tiska, why is it important people are aware of and stand up for this right? In a country like India, we're quite an intrusive people. 
you know, our family units tend to be quite intrusive. Parents are telling children what to do. Grandparents are dictating how your life is lived. And we, we take that as powerful course because, you know, it's well-intentioned and it comes from the family. But when it takes the form of manipulation in terms of you're not being able to choose a life partner because the family is a certain caste or a certain level of income or uh, belonging to a particular religion, I think we need to address those issues with education. And I feel that all sorts of dignity and the basis of dignity should be taught to children as junior school or even middle school. And they should be told about this. It should be spoken about frequently, called into to parent-teacher meetings once the pandemic blows over, obviously. But these are things that should be discussed openly and widely. When I was doing a bit of research to be able to at least sound a little intelligent on the podcast, I I really uh, deep dive into the right to life. And I understood that there's so much that's trampled upon inadvertently because we don't know it. A simple thing like domestic help that work at my home, to be able to give them the day off uh, once a week is their right so that they can enjoy their life, you know, so not sort of manipulate their uh, financial backwardness. And because I can afford to pay uh, someone something, not usurp their entire life for my own benefit, just because I can do it. So I was thinking about a lot and it led to a lot of introspection. And, uh, you know, it's, it's basic things. It comes down to the small things. Of course, it involves legislature and then it involves awareness and education, which are longer term things. But I think anyone who's listening to the podcast can really... Uh, uh, dwell on the fact that are they doing what, what they can be doing uh, in, in the lives that surround them on a one-on-one basis, simply and quietly uh, add value to people's lives, add dignity to people's lives, and make sure that the basic basics, food, the time that people get to eat food at, their time of getting off on a particular day at a certain time and giving them time to spend with their families. Simple, simple, simple rights like that. There's a whole culture in Bombay of people working non-stop. People start working at 10 or 11 and they work till 11 or 12 o'clock and it's glorified. It's like, oh, I'm a workaholic. It's really good. It's a skewed life. So I was thinking on the micro and the macro level when it comes to this. And saying that people who work with oneself, so our film shift is normally 12 hours. It's 12 hours of shooting time, but people who come to set often come from distances that are really, really, really great. So, you know, a spot boy boy might travel from, say, Virar, which is an hour and a half to two hours to reach shoot and another two hours to go back. So he's working 18, 19 hours a day and then he's back the next day. So he hasn't even enough, got enough sleep and his is a very physical job. So I I was thinking along all of these lines when I was preparing to talk to both of you about this. So tell me if I'm on the right lines. You're absolutely on the, yeah, very much. And in fact, what you're doing today by voicing your opinion and just this dialogue, you don't know how, of course, our larger goal is to have mandatory human rights education in schools. But even this dialogue that you've decided, okay, I'm going to talk about this. How can we really bring this right to life? This is a huge, huge, like, I wouldn't say drop in the ocean, but I think it's like creating a big ripple effect. No, Fraser? Yeah, of course, because... So you spark an idea in someone. And and if you can, what we're talking about is if this right was followed completely by everyone, then you would have a harmony on earth. And and it's, it's an ultimate goal. And over the period since these human rights were written in the early 50s, the, the change in life 
has been constantly better in many, many, many ways. And so what you've talked about there is these people who have less of an advantage, giving them more comfort, giving them more of a break. And and then there's so many other areas where it's all just about help. It's about how how we can help everybody to have a a life that's worth living. But I think what Tiska said in the beginning about the respect and dignity for life, Tiska, I think that is where it all comes down. If you have that towards the other person naturally, like you said, towards the domestic help, that, that's where it all really flows from. So I'm going to quickly look at one of the rights that came from the right to life, which is the right against sexual harassment in the workplace. So the Supreme Court of India has said that there is no denying that each incident of sexual harassment at the workplace results in the violation of the fundamental rights to gender equality and the right to life and liberty. The courts are under a constitutional obligation to protect and preserve those fundamental rights. So the Supreme Court laid down guidelines ensuring all employers or persons in charge of workplaces that they would take appropriate steps to prevent sexual harassment. These include educating and warning employees about the rules and penalties of sexual harassment, ensuring a non-hostile environment for women where she's at no disadvantage due to her gender and ensuring any case of sexual harassment is immediately reported and that victims can either seek transfer or insist that the harasser is transferred. Thank you, Sheena. Everyone needs to know this. So, Tisco, what can be done to realistically make the right to life a fact? The word realistically is what jumps out at me, Fraser, because uh, mm. talking about it and discussing it is one, one thing. But another and a huge thing is that if imagine uh, a family is willing to kill an unborn child, a fetus, that is their intention towards this gender. Imagine their level of respect for the living women in that family. I'm talking about domestic rape. I'm talking about lack of respect. I'm talking about even to move around for women in families which are tightly bound, large family units, joint family units, which most of India lives in. I think realistically speaking, what is important is that the minute the the government should lay down stricter legislatures and we, in as much as we can, make awareness possible and make girls financially independent. Even if the family is unable to afford sending the girl for higher education, even if it is something as simple as becoming a seamstress or a carpentry or plumbing or whatever else that she can do, whether it's weaving or carpet making or any other skill set which she can stand on her own two feet with, then you are talking free and equal because dependency makes you weak. Financial dependency makes you weak. It isn't as if women are lacking in courage or initiative or intelligence. It is that physically they are unequal to men and financially as well. And that has been kept so for centuries because women simply don't get education. In the same family, the boy will be sent to the best of international universities and the girl will be married off right after school or just plain graduation. I think this inequity, girls must speak up for themselves and make sure that they are able to earn for themselves. And the minute they're able, I know it sounds very mercenary and it should not be a precursor to the right to life, or to the right to dignity. But unfortunately, because you use the word realistically, I think realistically, the minute you're financially independent, you're able to put your foot down and say, okay, that's it. 
I do not have to take this. I have choices. But because you, if you don't have an education and you don't have a way to earn a living, then you become subservient and opinions are forced down your throat. You're made to do certain things because you don't have choices. So in order to be able to buy yourself a choice, and I'm saying again that the ability to earn should not be a precursor to your human rights. You should be respected simply because you are born and you are a part of the universe. But the fact is that because we're talking about it realistically, I think that's where the, the key lies in making sure that women get education and a, and a, and a skill set which enables them to earn. Because then they can they, they have choices and choices mean that they don't have to take uh, physical, mental, uh, verbal or any other sort of Brilliant. Yes, totally. Um, there's a school in Uttar Pradesh called Padada Padadi, and it's a girls' school in an area where one in four girls go to school. And they not only educate the girls, including in English, they also teach them a sewing skill so that all of the girls who go to that school, they come out with an ability to earn money and the school gives 10 rupees a day to every girl who goes and they only release the money when she's 18. So that means that she's not allowed to get married off when she's young. She has to graduate at 18. They teach them human rights and it's the change. Uh, I did a comparison between um, some of the girls in that village who didn't go to that school and some of the girls who did. And the girls who went to that school, they can have their own money. They have their own bank account. They can dress how they want. They can yeah. choose who they marry. And they're not beaten. And all of the other girls, were, were, it was just considered normal that they would be beaten. And they couldn't have any freedom. And it all came down to education. That was the, the whole thing. Yeah. And what you said is actually absolutely right. And coming down to realistically looking at it is that when you educate the girl challenge, she's financially independent is when you can actually really achieve equality. That's how you achieve equality. Yes, yes sure. You know, like at the brass tax level. And this is also, Tiska, one of the schools, Pardada Pardadi, where our human rights program is running. Uh, and now these girls are actually even earning more than the boys, where once they were not even allowed to go to school. So this, what you said, is absolutely, absolutely true. Mm. We take the education route. That's what we do. And we do education awareness in as big a possible way as you can. And then, yes, there's there's legislation and all sorts of ways. But the point is that each individual, as long as we do something positive, because unfortunately, many people do nothing. And that's the only way that you're definitely going to achieve nothing. Yeah, and if you look at the film Firak, which uh, discussed Darden, the characters uh, take different parts in dealing with human rights violation. One character pretends it doesn't exist. Another uh, is full of guilt until she finally helps someone. And then the other character tries to bribe the police to cover his family members' crimes. And Tiska's character runs away from the city and her husband pretends to be a Muslim to escape. So, you know, I guess when you're in the middle of a riot, your choices are pretty limited. And the question is, how do you avoid the riots from happening in the first place? The answer that comes to me is tolerance for each other, which comes from education. So let's educate ourselves a little bit more about the rights that come under the right to life. So number one, about the right to choose a life partner. So the Supreme Court said that the right to live with a person of their own choice is a right we have, irrespective of religion chosen by them. It's an essential part of the right to life and personal liberty. Secondly, about the right against rape. 
Supreme Court said that rape is a crime against basic human rights and, and is a violation of the victims most cherished of the fundamental rights namely the right to live with human dignity and about the right to choice of sex the Supreme Court legalized same sex relations between consenting individuals this is another milestone in the journey of the article 21 the right to life and lastly about the right to reputation the Supreme Court considered good reputation as an element of personal security and protection by the constitution equally with the rights to enjoyment of life liberty and property thank you sheena so important fabulous so tesca do you have any stories of your own about the importance of the right to life in my family everyone's an educationist i fought my way through because they weren't very keen on me joining movies because they felt it was sort of not that kosher however they 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 soon came around I felt once I came to Bombay that the film business was very misogynistic. I felt that women were second-rate citizens, and I felt it for the longest time. Uh, for about fifteen years, I I would ask directors, "Where are my scenes?" And they would say that, "Well, the film has four songs," and I would be like, "I'm not a singer. I'm an I'm an actress. I'm, I'm an artist. So where are my parts to perform? Where are my lines?" But that was taken taken to be the norm because women. Uh, by and large at that point was seen through the male gaze as objects of as eye candy basically so when i decided to start writing and producing the first film that i made was a short film called chutney and it was actually a very rebellious film from my side because i felt that the earning capacity or the saleability of an actress as her being sexually attractive was the only chip that she was bargaining with so i as a, as an act of rebellion chose to make the protagonist extremely unpleasant to look at almost borderline ugly and she has uh, neither a child to give her any social sort of position in society she speaks badly she doesn't have an education her husband having an affair and all of that and then how does she navigate and negotiate and guard her territory my my challenge to myself internally was that let's see if this works because it's a very powerful story i knew that starting out but the fact that it became the most watched short film in the world with 132 million views proved to me that uh, in effect what we've been telling people that girls need to be all about uh, their body and all about the way they look of course that's that's one sort of understanding of women but it's taking away the dignity of an artist when you say that that's all you're good for there is nothing else to you uh, other than the fact that you could be the object of someone's sexual interest other than that there is no value to you so i thought that was extremely degrading and i'm talking purely at an artistic level because when actresses reach a certain level of maturity in their craft they also reach a certain level of maturity in their life in their in their years and then that is seen as something which is a good time to put them on the shelf so for me in my workplace there is a lot of work still to be done in the areas of bringing women up as artists as free voices speaking for themselves and that's the area that i want to work in because i don't believe in getting mad i don't believe in getting angry i believe in getting better and getting better and better and having more and more power to be able to assert myself and say okay this is the kind of stories i want to tell and make them so well that they sell so that the market then becomes again you buy yourself your freedom you buy financial independence by creating that kind of work which stands head and shoulders above the rest of the work or at least at par so then gender ceases to be a thing 
the second thing that i noticed which is wonderfully good is that post the me too movement which sort of wasn't as strong in india it started off on a strong note but kind of then uh, became mired in a lot of controversies and stuff like that but the remnant of that was that every single production office that one goes to to do a meeting has the posh guidelines laid out prevent prevention of sexual harassment guidelines laid out bold and clear and that to me is a huge huge relief because starting out it was a despicable place for women to work in in every way physical dignity personal dignity harassment of all sorts so these are areas where i feel that the human rights movement and the work that wonderful people like yourself and the united nations have been doing in education has come such a long way because it's acting as a massive deterrent massive deterrent and things are so much better on set now mm, wonderful yeah that that's brilliant and because of bringing this female voice it it has two sides to it as well as allowing women to speak it's also you get that whole other side of life you instead of this side like you said of objectification you instead get the side of a person and, and what it's like as a woman to live and and all of the things you can do and it it just fills in a whole side of the story that we don't get to see and that is what teaches people stories are what really teach people how to act how to be how to behave women coming in and giving their stories will make a huge change and is already making a huge change towards the culture couldn't agree more but having said that I feel that the change is still quite slow. As women, we tend to be because of our uh, cultural orientation, um, hundreds and thousands of years of cultural orientation. Ancient India has had a wonderful culture of the divine feminine, where it was worshipped. But somewhere we lost the way, as a subcontinent, I would say, not just not just India but Southeast Asia. We lost our way, and we started. The mother was sacred. The sister was sacred. but every other woman became fair game and it, it is the stuff of my nightmare when i hear things like india is the rape capital of the world it it bothers my soul i'm the mother to an 8 year old daughter and for me it it tortures my soul that this is the is this the world that we are we're leaving behind and what saddens me is that i spoke about this lady a friend of mine who uh, from college who was uh, sort of being pushed into an abortion it was her mother in law who was doing it so i was wondering how she can't even see to the end of her nose and i'm sorry i'm using uh, harsh words but the fact is that she's against her own own kind and if the gender ratio gets skewed so disastrously i mean there are villages upon villages where there are no females born even today even now and that mm-hmm. that is shocking what what do you expect if there aren't going to be any women what do you think is going to happen you're you're just increasing uh, violence against women you're not giving a, a, an infant a child to survive first female feticide then infanticide then uh, dowry all of this goes into the whole system so i think dowry is another huge thing which we have very strict laws already but it should be the other way around it should be that you know if if you want to take the girl to your house then you might have to give something in exchange because you're getting something so precious 
Yes, I always thought that. I was always confused when I came to India. I'm like, wait a minute, it should be the other way around. Yeah. Well, actually, what Sheena used her um, time at the United Nations on the stage to, to call for mandatory human rights education. And I get what you're saying about this friend of yours who's highly educated, but there's a difference between education in science and maths and education in human rights. So what our big push is ultimately to get government to make human rights education mandatory, which would cover not only your rights, but it would show if you run into trouble where you can go to for help, all of the legal systems that are set up to stand for those rights, and from a young age. So this is what we're pushing for. And uh, I'm so happy to hear that you're going into feature films because we have a free online course, which is literally we have um, over we have between one and two thousand people every week do our online course around the world, and they're based on films. People watch our films and then they answer essays based on the films. And the thing is that the stories that you tell can really, really change the world. I mean, you're a brilliant storyteller. But Tiska is a world-class, award-winning storyteller, Fraser. Chutney was actually watched by two times more people than than there are in your whole country, UK. <laughs> and, and, you know, and as, and as our all great writers, she's also a reader. I read, Tiska, that one of your favorite books um, is Arundhati Roy's Ministry of Utmost Happiness, a book which deals with times when this country most needed this right we are discussing today. We have, under this right, we have the right to privacy. And it is said by the Supreme Court that the right to privacy is essentially connected to the right to life. It is a right to be let alone. And a citizen has a right to safeguard the privacy of his own, his family, marriage, procreation, motherhood, childbearing and education, among other matters. Second, on the right against noise pollution, which is again under the right to life, the Supreme Court said that to expose unwilling persons to hear noise raised to unpleasant levels is violating to the right of others to a peaceful, comfortable and pollution-free life guaranteed by this right. Then thirdly, on the right to know or right to be informed, the Supreme Court observed that if democracy had to be functionally effective, people must have the right to know the conduct of the affairs of the state. And lastly, on the right to get pollution-free water and air, the Supreme Court said Article 21 includes the right of enjoyment of pollution-free water and air. We're just covering this, Tiska, because we want to let people know what right to life really means. And, you know, if you know your rights, you can stop them from being violated, right? Absolutely. I think uh, we've kind of got used to uh, buying clean water. Not knowing that I can actually go up to the legislator in my area and say, well, this is my fundamental right. I'm going to take this up with my society and say, well, you know, we, we've been buying water all through the pandemic because we, we aren't getting uh, very good quality water. Uh, you know, we have to have to use an aqua guard, a water purifier to be able to uh, drink this water. We, we should take these things up. And, you know, there, there is no way that we will find out about it because no one really reads the fine print as you're doing it. And that is essential, Sheena. Thank you so much, Fraser. Yeah, it's the fine print of the whole of life. I mean, these are the rules for life. And you can look at each little thing in our life and you can say, what, what is our right? And obviously also, what's our responsibility? What what should we be doing to make sure that everyone has this right? Yeah, and also, uh, Tiska, I think one of the ways we were looking at how do we bring this right to life, like you said, yes, the dignity and respect, it starts with that, then education. But I also think how you are living your life personally, as when I look up to you as a woman, is like through your film, 
films, the way you conduct yourself. You set such a good example in the Indian film industry as not only an actress, but as a human being, but also somebody who has a voice. Because through your characters, honestly, Tiska, I see you living this right, you know. It's not, one is talking about it. And yes, how can we bring this to life? But honestly, when I see your life, I feel you live it naturally. Thank you. That is extremely kind. It's been a struggle. I feel that my generation, our generation, is the generation where we are on the cusp of change. My mother perhaps uh, experienced less rights than I do. She demanded less rights than I do. I don't demand my rights. I, I stand up for it and I ask for it without uh, sort of creating a fuss. And my way of sort of making sure that I get my, my right is to actually earn it as well. Standing up and saying, okay, this is my right, this is my right, but I do nothing about it uh, would not lead to anything. What am I doing to be able to get my right properly? And so then, for example, if I turn around and tell producer, you should have more, more roles for women, you should have more roles for women, I don't know that's, that's going to happen. They're going to be like, okay, we need to make money, we need, we need to feed our families. You keep talking about roles for women, roles for women, but the film should succeed. And then we are willing to back it if one film succeeds. So the same producers who produced Chutney also produced Rubaru. Uh, they also produced Rubaru because they found that there was a, a great deal of success that the first one enjoyed. And so I'm saying that the, the point that I'm trying to, to uh, reach here is that to stand up for one's rights and to actually make sure that you get them um, also comes hand in hand with you saying, I will, will be very deserving of them as well. Not just because I'm uh, a human being, which is, which is an idealistic world. But when uh, Fraser used the word realistically, I think realistically, you have to go out and say, okay, here's how good we are. We're taking it now. We don't need anyone to give it to us because now it becomes my right. I'm saying in a world where commerce becomes the deciding factor of most things, it shouldn't be. But that would be a utopian world. Here, corporates run run the show. You know, we're talking about a world quite realistic in that sense and you, you can talk about rights and you can talk about people trying to be fair but you help them to be fair by saying okay here's the reason here's how good this is here's brilliance now tell me why tell give me a good reason why you won't support it so i think that i've always believed that don't waste energy getting mad and sort of you know going crazy do the groundwork that needs to be done done in terms of providing skill set providing education providing awareness which you guys are so wonderfully doing but also don't use the female card or the underdog card and say you know but it's my right it's my right it's my right you also have to make sure that you you earn that right and make sure that, of course, in, a, in an ideal world, you shouldn't have to earn it. It should just come to you. But I'm saying that if the world is the way the world is, then realistically speaking, women should just get equipped and financially strong and have their reasoning and have their logic and have the, their data and then go out there in the world and, and fight it. The battle will be so much easier. Very powerful. Yes, Very powerful. yes totally true. All right, Tiska. So now we're going to test this strength of yours with a rapid fire round. Are you ready? Oops, yes. <laughs> okay, Tiska, what is the first image that comes to your mind when you think of the right to life? A small, beautiful baby girl. Oh, beautiful. Who's your human right hero and why? I think Leonardo DiCaprio because of the kind of work that he's doing with animal protection and environmental protection because the right to life is all life. True? Yeah, yeah, that's well true. Said. He's doing big things. What animal best represents the right to life for you? I think an ant. 
<laughs> Why? <laughs> Love it. Because it's such a hard-working little creature because it makes its place in the world. It says, okay, you know, I'm tiny, but I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to make sure that I live with dignity. Ah, and, great. and it's a collaborator. Yes, yes, totally. Actually, Sheena played the lead in a film called Ant Story. No, but that wasn't about ants. <laughs> okay. If you could choose your next birth, what would that life be like? I think pretty similar to the one I've had now. I, I, I quite love my life uh, as it is. Except that, except that minor tweak, I would like to, to have the sense that I have now when I was 20. Yes, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who is the most dignified person you know and why? I think my father. Mm, nice. Uh, he is a school principal. He was my school principal. And a man of enormous dignity because he is, what he shows to the world is also what he is inside. He's completely authentic. And in that, he doesn't feel the need to show anybody anything other than what he is. And I find that uh, very freeing for him. There is no pretense in his life. And I love that. Love That's it. beautiful. Beautiful. What's one thing you won't tolerate? I don't tolerate a lot, actually. Good. <laughs> I won't tolerate unkindness to someone weaker than yourself, if I see it. I won't tolerate someone in a position of power manipulating someone who needs the job or needs the work and has to take it. I won't tolerate that. I, I will call it out. This is great, awesome. This is beautiful. Tiska, last question from me. Do you have a message of hope for our listeners in these difficult days? Difficult days, these are, Sheena. Fraser, these are very difficult days. There's no question about it. And I think for me, personally, I'll, I'll, I'll speak about what has worked for me. I think one can look at the pandemic as, as a time of death and destruction. But one can also look at it as a pause button where everyone's had to pause and sort of go back to their roots inside themselves and find deeper answers to how to lead a better and more meaningful life. Because certainly our mortality has come up close and personal like it had it never has before this so it has given us that that little pause to think about is this the life i want is this what i'm going to do with my time on earth and am i spending it meaningfully and in a way that i will be happy when it's time for me to say goodbye absolutely yeah this is yeah, the well, we... hope like be positive about the whole pandemic rather than sit and brood about what's wrong look at the glasses half full rather than half empty beautiful yeah now Fraser has my favorite question of the day Tisco, what would the future be like if this right was 100% followed oh my god you know as soon as you asked that question a surge of energy just went through me imagine all creatures it reminds me of that song all things bright and beautiful Mm. you know it's 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 just like people would be free people would be happier people would be animals plants everything would 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 live in harmony and it would be a world of unbelievable joy beautiful beautiful i know you're a follower of nichiren buddhism and nichiren daishonin said if you care anything about your personal security you should actually first of all pray for order and peace throughout the world should you not then this is what the right to life contains to allow each other the respect and dignity which would bring that order and peace thus guaranteeing the personal security we all long for Unfortunately, a type of peace that I've not been longing for has reached us, which is the end of this podcast. And it's been so much fun, so motivating, so inspiring to talk to you. You have so much life in you. No wonder you can fight for the right to life. 
of others. Thank you. I applaud the wonderful work that you both are doing and the United Nations is doing because ultimately it is an idea that transforms a person's life. It starts with an idea. And I'm so glad that you're doing this wonderful, wonderful work and more power to the two of you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tiska. Thank you, Sheena. I'd like to end by letting you know United for Human Rights provides free online human rights courses, as well as delivers free curriculums to any school or university in the world. Please go to humanrights.com and start a course and tell any school or university you know to order their free curriculum. It's been so inspiring to hear Tiska's stories, but now we want to hear yours. Please record a maximum 90-second video with stories of your points of view, struggles and successes to do with the right to life, and we'll upload them on our YouTube channel. And send us your The Right to Life artworks, drawings, poems, paintings, etc. We're running a contest to show our favorite chosen stories and artworks on the screen at the United Nations in New York next year. Email your videos and art to Fraser at the rate humanrights.com. That's F-R-A-S-E-R at the rate humanrights.com. Lastly, if you want to help spread awareness of basic rights and equality, get in touch. We need all the help we can get. Thank you again, Tiska Chopra, for your inspiring words. Thank you both very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Human rights define the word equality. If we don't respect and love each other, we're just living a lie. Because united starts with you and I. You feel me? No matter how bad the weather, it will be alright Keep it tight, cause we all got our freedom rights Every day, from the night to the broad daylight Don't discriminate, learn to appreciate So you don't have to imitate, don't be the one to hate It's never too late, you got the right to life Innocent to prove the guilty, you can say like, gotta get the education, don't throw it away, know your human rights, cause it can help you someday. इस हब हॉपर ओरिजिनल को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं तो हब हॉपर स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और एक मिनट के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करने की सिर्फ तीन आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना पॉडकास्ट शुरू करने के लिए तैयार जस्ट हॉप ऑन हब हॉपर सिंपली कॉन्टेंट